Thank you for listening to this podcast from Living Hope Church in Skokie, Illinois, featuring the preaching of Pastor Daniel Mann. For more information about our church, please visit us online at www.livinghopechicago.com. We trust that today's message will encourage you in your relationship with God. Once upon a time, there was a cave. And this cave lived underground, as caves have the habit of doing. And it had spent its lifetime in darkness. And it heard a voice calling to it, come up into the light, come and see the sunshine. The cave retorted, I don't know what you mean. There isn't anything but darkness. Finally, the cave ventured forth and was surprised to come and see light everywhere started looking up to the the sun and the cave said come with me said to the sun and come and see the darkness the sun asked what is darkness the cave replied come and see one day the sun accepted the invitation and as the sun entered into the cave the sun said to the cave now show me your darkness. But the darkness was gone. So what does that allegory have to do with the message today? Last week we learned that light is used metaphorically in the Bible to describe righteousness and truth. Darkness is often used metaphorically in the Bible to speak of evil, of deception, and of ignorance. And there was a time when humanity did not know what darkness was. When God created Adam and Eve in the garden, they were perfect and innocent. They had never experienced this metaphorical darkness that we're talking about today. I'm not talking about the darkness of the sun and the, and the moon and, and all that, day and night. We're talking about evil and sin and deception and ignorance. They had never experienced that darkness before. God created Adam and Eve perfect in a perfect environment. They lived in the light with God. But that all changed. <clears throat> Before it was a world full of light, walking in the presence of God. Think about this. It was a world where there was no murder, there was no rape, there was no terrorism, there was no racism, there was no hate, there was no adultery, there was no lying. A world that's perfect, no darkness, all light. Until Adam and Eve rebelled against God, sinned against God. And when they sinned, they were plunged into darkness, along with all that would be born of them, which includes you and I. We call that the fall of man. But yet the Bible tells us, and the narrative of the Bible, is that although that we're in darkness and walking in darkness and that the world is engulfed in darkness, the Bible tells us that God has given us light, that Jesus Christ is the light of the world, and that God in His mercy has sent His Son into the world to give light. We we, we read about it even this morning, what Joe said, that He's come to be a light to the Gentiles. He's come to guide our feet as the light into the way of peace. And so Jesus came. Jesus was born. Light entered into the world. But here's the problem. Many people remained in darkness. The light was shining. The light had come, but people remained in darkness. Now, here's a question I have for us this morning. Why would anyone choose to remain in darkness 
when they could come to the light. We just read that little allegory. The, the, the sun said, cave, come up here. And he came up and there was no darkness. Well, he said, well, you come to me. When the light came down to where the cave was underground, the darkness vanished. Why would anyone want to stay in darkness when they could come to the light? Well, the, the, the answer is, is actually fairly simple. And I can give it to you in one word, and that word is depravity. That we are depraved. By our nature, we are bent towards evil. In fact, look with me, before we read John chapter 1, look at John chapter 3. And I think this is one of the best explanations of what depravity is. In John chapter 3, verse 19. And this is the condemnation. John 3, 19. And this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. The light was shining, but men loved darkness and hated the light. Look at me at John chapter 1. Let's begin in verse 1. And we'll read what we read last week and add on to it this week. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There's a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him, through John the Baptist's witness, might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, talking about Jesus, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He, that is Jesus, verse 10, the true light, he was in the world. And the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Wow, what, what do we see here? We see here light shining in darkness and people loving darkness rather than light. And not embracing the light, rejecting the light. And my message today, what we see in the passage here is that in John chapter 1, we see the depravity of humanity being demonstrated by their rejection of Jesus Christ. So today the message is simply this, that rejecting Christ, who is the light, demonstrates our depravity, demonstrates how desperately we need salvation and how we are under condemnation. This is the condemnation we just read, that light's coming to the world. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. 
Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. They won't come to the light, lest their deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, verse 21, John 3, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. John chapter 1 demonstrates for us the depravity of humanity, just how desperately we have fallen from the glory of God. Now, the question I want to answer in the message, because I think every Bible passage that we read answers a question. The question I think the passage that we just read answers is, how does rejecting Christ demonstrate our depravity? How does rejecting Jesus demonstrate our depravity? And I want to give you three ways that our depravity is demonstrated in this passage. That God sent His Son, the Savior, but His Son was rejected by most. Number one, our depravity is demonstrated by rejecting the personal light that's in our souls. Our depravity is demonstrated when we reject the personal light in our souls. Notice what it says in verse 4 about Jesus. It says, in Him was life, verse 4, and the life was the light of men. Light of men. You know what that tells us? It tells us, first of all, that mankind is uh, a different creature. He's created differently than any other being that God created, any other animal or any other uh, a, a type of creation. Because the Bible never says that Jesus is the light of the animal kingdom because they're not created in the image of God. But mankind is created in the image of God. So Jesus is the light, the truth, the righteousness, the revealer of God to man. Look at verse 5. It says, And the light shineth in darkness. So mankind is in darkness because of sin, but the light of men, Jesus, is shining to mankind in their darkness. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 tells us that Jesus is the true light, the genuine. The word true means genuine or authentic. He's the genuine, true light. That Notice what it says. It says that He lights every man. The, the, the true light coming into the world lighteth every man. What, what does this mean? It means that in the soul of every human being, Jesus Christ has shined light to them. Through their conscience, through their capacity to reason, Mankind is a rational being that God has created him as such. And through the ability to reason, the rationale, through the conscience that he's given to mankind, there is an inner witness through the individual conscience, through the capacity to reason, that Jesus is speaking truth to every person and seeking to draw every person to himself. There's light, personal light, in the soul of every human being. It means... That in some way, every person has been enlightened to some degree with truth. I'm not saying that every person has all truth. In fact, I would say that there's no person that has all truth except God. He alone is omniscient. And there are different measures of those that have truth. But what the Bible's teaching us here and in other passages that we'll look at is that God has given some truth and light to every person, sufficient truth for every person. That God has revealed himself to every human soul in some measure because Jesus lighteth every 
man. He is the light of men. Let me see if I can illustrate this, uh, this idea of an inner witness, so this personal light in our souls. Maybe an illustration can, can help us a little bit here. Uh, let, let's, let's take your, your body as an example, your physical body. Your body is made of arms, legs, hands, shoulders, your, your human body. Take it as an example. Often when there is a serious problem in your body, you will experience pain, which serves as an inner witness that something is wrong. Now, not every time you experience pain does that mean something's wrong. We all know that. But, but, but a lot of times, if there's something truly wrong in our body, the way that our body alerts us through our nerve system, through other ways, is through this idea of pain. Pain is an inner witness often that there's a problem in the body that the person doesn't know exists. Physical pain often alerts a person to a problem that they don't know exists. It seems to work like this. Follow with me. That the person has reoccurring pain. Then they get evaluated by a doctor. And then there's a diagnosis. And then there's treatment. Seems to be, now now I may be missing some things in between there, but I think it's a pretty good summary of what happens. Someone has pain. If that pain keeps reoccurring, it alerts them to a problem. If it just happens once, then then maybe it was just, you know, some kind of uh, odd thing going on in in the nerve system. If it's reoccurring pain, reoccurring problem, they go and see a doctor, they go and get a diagnosis, then there's treatment. So that like pain, listen, like pain that operates as light, that there's a problem in our body, Jesus is the light in our souls that shows us that we have a deep malady, that we have a deep, deep problem. In fact, Romans chapter 2, I may have this on the screen, I do. Romans chapter 2 verse 14 says that for when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law, or a law unto themselves. What does that mean? He goes on to explain. Verse 15. Which show the work of the law written in their hearts. So God through the conscience has written his law in the heart. Also bearing witness. And their thoughts. The meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. In the day in which God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. You know what that means? Look, look right here. You know what that means? It means people that don't have a copy of God's word, although they don't don't know the full revelation of the gospel that you and I know, it does mean that God has written a law in their hearts. And through their conscience, it says in verse 15, excuse me, either accusing or excusing one another. So the conscience, God is working. God is shining light, like pain in my body that alerts me something's wrong. Through the conscience, through the reason, through the law written on the heart, God is shining light to the world. Now, can I ask you a question? What are you doing with the light inside of you? Do you hate the light? Some people try to medicate that. Well, I have a guilty conscience. Sometimes we do need medication for for various reasons. I'm not saying that. I'm convinced some people are trying to medicate a guilty conscience that needs to be confessed, repented of, and then find forgiveness through Jesus Christ. People are trying to drown out that light, trying trying to put out the light. Do you love the darkness? Are you running from the light? Have you ever noticed that we live in the world that's trying to get rid of guilt and shame? You know what? There's a man that, that, was, that had a, uh, a 
came in leadership in a nation, and he wanted to get rid of guilt and shame. In fact, he even put it on a big billboard at one of the Nazi concentration camps. Adolf Hitler actually said this. I'm going to misquote this. It's not exactly. But he said, I want to raise a generation that's imperious, relentless, and cruel. A nation that doesn't feel shame. Can I say that anytime an individual or a nation doesn't feel guilt and shame, that is a dangerous place that none of us want to live. Guilt and shame are not necessarily bad things. Guilt and shame, God often wants to use to bring us to healing and forgiveness. So if you have a tumor in your body that's causing pain, you don't need to merely silence the pain. You can get rid of the tumor, right? We have a lot of people that just want to silence the light of God in their soul. They just want to silence the pain. They just want to medicate the pain. They do that through alcohol. They do that through overworking. They, they do that through overeating. They, they, they do that by just staying on Facebook or whatever all the time. They do that often by, by abusive medication. They, they, they do a lot of different things. They're just trying to drown out that light, anything that gets them to sleep at night, anything that silences that voice in them that says something is wrong. But, but what we need to do is not just silence the pain. We need to remove the source. Not just the symptom. You know what I found? The symptom goes away when the source is removed. That's why John Newton wrote the words, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved." My grace, my fears relieved. I, I, I used to be so terrified of dying. You know why? Because God was shining the light in my soul. Something's wrong. When I came to Christ. The light he banished. We need to remove the tumor. That guilt and shame is often the light of Jesus drawing you and I to salvation. Don't reject his light in your soul. But that's what's happened in the world. Jesus is the light of men. He lighteth every man. He's shining in the darkness. But our depravity is demonstrated by the fact that we reject that personal light in our souls. Number two, number two our our depravity is demonstrated from this passage when we reject the witnesses God has sent into our lives. What do I mean by that? Well, look what it says in verse 6, that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Verse 7, the same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. <coughs> verse 8, he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Twice the word sent is used, referring to John the Baptist. Three times the word witness is used in this passage. There was nothing divine about John the Baptist. Verse 9 makes that clear. He wasn't the Messiah. He wasn't God in the flesh. He wasn't the light. He was a witness to the light. And that what does it mean that he was, he was, given a, he was sent by God? It means that he was given special purpose. To announce to people that Jesus is the true light. That when Jesus stepped on the scene, that he was to announce, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. This is the one that's come. This is our Redeemer. This is the one who's going to shed his blood that our sins could be forgiven. This is the one that's going to take us back to God. This is the one that's going to bring forgiveness and hope. And he was sent to bear witness of the light. You see, a moment ago as we were studying, we learned about the light within the soul of every man 
that lighteth every man. Jesus lighting every man's soul. That may be referred to as an internal witness. John the Baptist is an external witness. He's a witness on the outside. He's another one that they're hearing from the outside. So, so let me see if we can illustrate this. Let, 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 let's just go ahead and keep with the, uh, the medical analogy, shall we, right? We talked about the human body and pain and how that being an inner witness that something could be wrong. Suppose not only do you have pain in your body or reoccurring pain, something that's alarming you, but you also have a family member or a friend that notices that you have a, a, a problem. That They say, I've noticed... You don't seem to be getting around as well. You, you seem not, not, not yourself. Maybe they even tell you that you need to go get it looked at or that you need to get it treated. Perhaps they even have a good idea of what it seems to be. Maybe they have some experience with this. And they're saying, you know what, I, I think what you have is this. Suppose you even go to a doctor and he tells you, what you what's wrong and, and what you need. Now you have two things. You have an internal witness, the pain or discomfort or whatever's happening. And now you have an external witness. Maybe you have a, someone, a common friend or family member that can just speculate. Maybe even have a doctor that can, that can give you pretty clear direction of what's going on. Internal, external witness. Now, is that not a pretty stubborn person that their body's telling them something's wrong? Their friends are telling them something's wrong. Family members tell them. Doctors tell them something's wrong. They're putting it aside pretty stubborn witness it's pretty stubborn when they when someone rejects both internal and external witness but i think that's what's happening with many people their conscience is screaming and you know what they, they, they may come to a church or they, they may have a friend they may, may have somebody they didn't even know they're just an acquaintance that that tries to share the love of god with them and tries to help show them the truth and they're getting these external witnesses but are they rejecting the witnesses. I heard about a story about a guy who was stranded on a, an island in the middle of nowhere, and he was praying day after day. He's perhaps you've heard this story, but he said, "God, God, please get me off this island." One day, a boat arrived. The man on the island told the captain of the boat. He said, "Oh, oh thanks for the offer for taking me off the island, but I, I'm waiting for God to do it. God, God, I'm asking God to get me off the island." Well, the captain drove off, leaving the man behind. After more days of praying, a, a plane flew over, signaling that they could see the man and were going to rescue him. Once they, they got to the island, the man shooed the rescue team away, saying, I'm waiting for God, I'm waiting for God to rescue me. The rescue team was very confused, but left the man as he returned. Finally, after being stranded for a long time, the man died. He stood before God in heaven, he said, God, why didn't you rescue me? God said, I tried, I sent you a boat and a plane. <laughs> he rejected them both. You know what I think is happening? Many people, that God is speaking in the heart and that God has raised up pastors and teachers and common witnesses to share His gospel with people. And yet they're rejecting the messengers that God is sending. All through the ages, God has been sending His messengers to preach the truth. In the Old Testament, he sent prophets. In the New Testament, he sent the apostles and the early church witnesses. I mean, you had just the common lay people. We're not talking about Paul and Peter only. We're talking about just, you know, your regular guy, your regular girl that, that you never even heard about in the Bible. They're unnamed. But Jesus transformed their life and they went out in the marketplace. And they went to work. And they went into their neighborhood and they started telling about how Jesus had transformed them. And people were witnessing of the truth. 
In the New Testament age, we have pastors and missionaries and, and we, have, we have, again, just common lay people who are witnesses of the truth. Have you been rejecting the preached word? Have you been rejecting those who've tried to witness to you? I hope I don't embarrass uh, Joe by putting, he told me an interesting story of kind of his journey, one of the things that God used. Joe said that years ago he was sitting on a plane, a guy he'd never met before. At this time, Joe was not a believer, not a follower of Christ. And this man just began witnessing to Joe a little bit. Nothing real fancy, nothing, you know, extremely deep theologically or doctrinally. But just getting the conversation to go about his relationship with the Lord and trying to talk to him a little bit about what it means to, to believe on Christ and some of the scripture truth about that. You know what I thought about? That God sending his messengers. God sending people. So everyone in this room is either... A missionary or a mission field? That e either you need to hear the gospel or you need to be speaking the gospel. There's only two types of people in the room. And, and, and if you're in the, uh, the first category, are, are you the missionary who's sharing your faith with those around you? Being the witnesses that God has sent us to be. If you're in the second group, why, why are you rejecting the messengers? Why, why are you rejecting those that God is sending to speak? His word. Because our depravity is demonstrated when we reject that inner witness in the soul, that light shining there. And then light shining externally as God sends witnesses. Remember what Jesus said, ye are the light of the world. He's talking about the believers. You're the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men. Are we shining our light? Are you responding to that light? Finally, our depravity is demonstrated when we reject the incarnate Lord himself. Verse 9 says that Jesus is the true life that cometh into the world. <coughs> that he came into the world. That he didn't just put light in the soul. He didn't just send messengers. But he came himself. Verse 10, I love verse 10. He was in the world. Look at verse 3. All things were made by Him. Verse 10, He was in the world. The maker of the world came into the world, lived in the world, took on flesh in the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. How many of you ever seen the show uh, Undercover Boss? You ever seen that show? Isn't that a fascinating show? You get these, these CEOs of companies that own like Target or something and, and, and they'll disguise their appearance by, by some uh, incredible makeup artist and, 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 and they'll, go and they'll go into like the, the stock room. They'll, they'll go to stock shelves. Uh, they'll go into like the, the, the back warehouse. They'll run cash registers and they do all this to disguise their appearance to kind of be among the common people and just find out how their company's going. It's a really fascinating show. Most of the time they don't recognize the boss because they're with them. Sometimes they do recognize him. He was in the world. The world was made by him. <laughs> He's the boss. The world knew him not. Came into his own, his own received him not. His own here is referring to the nation of Israel, the chosen people of God. He was literally born unto them. He was born of the house of Israel. He was a child of David, King David, that is. 
Mary was a descendant of King David. Joseph was also a descendant of King David. He came to the nation of Israel, those that had received the promises, those that had received the prophecies, and they received him not. The world knew him not, refers to society at large, not just the nation of Israel, but the world, society at large, all of humanity, <coughs> knew him not. He became a man and was rejected by them. Look at verse 14, and the word was made flesh, incarnate. He was in flesh and dwelt among us. Wow. He walked and talked and lived among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So not only are people guilty of rejecting the inner witness, the light in the soul, the external witness of people like John the Baptist, but now rejecting the very God Himself in person, in body, in flesh. Rejecting Him. You know, Jesus told a, an incredible story in Matthew chapter 21. Hold your finger here in John and, and turn with me to Matthew 21. I want to show you this. It illustrates this truth perfectly. Rejecting the incarnate Lord Himself. <clears throat> chapter 21 it begins in verse 33. I'm not going to read. It begins in verse 33. It goes all the way down to the, to the end. But let me give you the cliff notes of it. Jesus told a story about a man who owned a farm. And this man had developed this farm on his own. And once he had developed the farm, he hired someone to come and be the farmer to oversee it for him. He hired a manager to come and look after it. And the owner hired the man... And once he hired this man to look after his farm, the owner went away into a different country, saying that he would come back. Well, after some time, the farmer knew it was about harvest season for his farm to start yielding fruit and crops. So he sent back word through some messengers to the man he hired, saying, give me some of the fruit. That's my farm. You know, I want, I want the fruit from my farm. Well, the farmer, the hired farmer, beat one of the messengers, killed one, of me one messenger, and stoned another messenger. Three messengers were sent at once this first time. He beat one, he killed one, and he stoned one. Well, after this, the owner sent some messengers back to the farmer again, this hired farmer, saying, give me what belongs to me. You work for me? Harvest time, give me what belongs to me. And the scripture says that the second time he treated them uh, the same. You can find this in verse 35 and 36 of Matthew 21. Look what he says in verse 37. But last of all, this is the owner. He sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandman or the farmer, this hired farmer, saw the son, they, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him. Let us seize on him. Let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him, cast him out of the vineyard, and slew him. When the Lord, or the owner thereof of the vineyard, cometh, what will he do unto the, those husbandmen, those hired workers? <coughs> they say unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men 
He will let out his vineyard unto another, to other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their season. Then Jesus applied it in verse 42. Did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. What, 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 what is this saying? Jesus said, they, they'll reverence my son, but they treated him worst of all. Could there be anything worse than rejecting God himself? Rejecting the light within, rejecting the messengers, the external witnesses that God has sent to bear witness to Jesus the light, but then rejecting God himself, God himself. I want to say to you as we come to a close that God has come. God has sent His Son to you, and God has sent His Son for you. God has sent His Son to me. God has sent His Son for me. He was born. He walked this earth. We have His words recorded. Uh, We have eyewitnesses who have given account of His miracles. I would say that His miracles have never been disproven. He died on the cross and rose again, both Um, Christian and secular historians validate the death of Jesus. There are many that deny the resurrection, but I would ask you, where is his body? Why was his body never found in the grave? You're telling me that a handful of fishermen could overthrow the mighty Roman soldiers that were sent to guard the tomb of Jesus? If they made up the story, why did they pay for their lives in blood by not recanting the gospel truth when they were clearly told, if you just deny Christ, you can live. You know, some people live for a lie. No one dies for a lie. They're not going to die for something you know is a lie. We have all of this knowing that Jesus, His life, His death, His resurrection changed the world. This historical man, Jesus Christ, the God-man, lived in the world. And You and I have to do something about Jesus. We cannot be neutral. There is no such thing as neutrality when it comes to the person of Jesus Christ. Because God sent him to you, and God sent him to me. And according to this passage, there are two options. We either receive him, we crown him Lord, we trust him, or we reject the Lord himself. If you reject the light in your soul or the witness of God's word and the witness of God's messengers, what really you're doing is you're rejecting Jesus Christ himself. Isn't that what he told his disciples when he sent them away? And he says, if any man will not hear this message and will turn you away, he said, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. Rejecting me. And I would like to say that this morning, that if you're here and you're not a believer, you've never truly, sincerely repented of your sin, been born into the kingdom of God, if you walk out of this room rejecting the truth, you're not rejecting me. You're not rejecting my words. You're rejecting the incarnate Lord himself. You're rejecting God himself. And according to the passage that we read in John 3, that all who reject him will face eternal condemnation. The most important question you and I can answer is where do I stand in regards to that? Let me close.
Evangelist Billy Sunday used to say that a sinner can't find God for the same reason a criminal can't find a police officer. He said because the criminal isn't looking very hard. That's what our passage is showing us today. That light has come. God has sent His Son. God the Son came into the world. He's the light of the world. And men chose darkness rather than light. And this passage shows us that you and I, I'm the criminal. I'm the criminal. That you're the criminal. And that we are desperately in need of Jesus Christ. Our depravity is demonstrated by rejecting the personal light and the soul. The witnesses that God sends, thirdly, the incarnate Lord Himself. But there's hope. And the hope and what we're going to be studying in depth next week, what is this hope that we have? The hope is that we have a merciful God that's still calling to people today. Though they've rejected Him, He still extends His loving hand of forgiveness and desires to save them. But as, look at verse 12, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. That until you've come to verse 12, you've not experienced salvation. But what I'm saying to you today, the hope is, and the hope that I experienced years ago, is that when I came to repentance, turning from my sin, when I received Jesus and believed on Him as my Savior, that was eternal life. I want to close with this. Look at John 3. Turn back to John 3. <clears throat> John 3. Look at verse 15. Verse 15. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world. The world was already condemned. But that the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Verse 18, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. What's Christmas about? Christmas is about God sending His Son for you and I. Have you received His Son? If you committed your life to Jesus Christ today or made a spiritual decision, you'd like to know about it, please contact us online at www.livinghopechicago.com. We hope you will join us next time for another encouraging message from God's Word.